Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hi there. Welcome to New Books and Psychoanalysis, a channel on the New Books Network. My name is JJ Mull. I'll be your host for today. I am very pleased and excited to be joined by not one, but two folks today, Saki Slonam and Richard Billow, to be talking about their book, Changing Our Minds, Richard M. Billow's Selected Papers on Psychoanalysis and Group Process, out from Routledge just in the last year or so, and written by Richard and edited by by Saki with some really thoughtful introductions. And so we will jump into the interview soon, but just briefly by way of introduction, Saki Slonim studied philosophy in the critical rationalist tradition before becoming a clinical psychologist. He maintains a private practice in New York City and is an adjunct professor at the doctoral programs in clinical psychology at the City University of New York and Pace University and at the postdoctoral program in group psychotherapy at Adelphi University. Richard Billow is a clinical psychologist and holds postdoctoral certificates in psychoanalysis and group psychotherapy. For many years, he directed the postgraduate group program at the Derner Institute at Adelphi University, and he is a frequent contributor to psychoanalytic and group literature, um, the author of, of several books, most recently, um, Changing Our Minds, the book we'll be talking about today. He is a clinical professor in the postdoctoral program in psychoanalysis and psychotherapy at Adelphi and practices in Great Neck, New York. So it's usually the case on this podcast that we sort of start relatively broadly with the the, the simple question of, you know, how did this book come to be? Why this book? Um, you know, which I think for the two of you in particular is, is kind of a, a, a relational question in a way. You know, how did this collaboration come to be? How did the two of you meet each other? Um, you know, how did this book come into the world? Um, do one of you want to get us get us started? Saki, why don't you get us started? <laughs> Um, well, I think it was um, suggested by uh, Earl Hopper, who was the um, is the editor of the series. He suggested to Rich um, that he the comp- compile um, um, a book of selected papers, and um, and then he asked me if I'd be interested in editing and contributing um, um, introductions and. Um, um, yeah, I think that's pretty much how we started. Then we were trying to see how we, could, you know, with selected papers, there's always a question: How do you have something that really a that reads fresh, and b that um, um, yeah that has um, kind of a good um, um, se- sense of coherence? So that's what we were we were working on from the beginning, and I think that's how we landed on the um, changing our minds, which is really talks about um, how the idea that in every clinical hour, we'd like everyone to be changed, um, including ourselves. Well, yeah. But the reason why I picked Saki is I 
I actually invited him to do a book review for the uh, International Journal of Group Psychotherapy and was very impressed. And then I started, we worked together for a while in supervision. He was supervising me. And uh, I could see that he had a good sense of um, what I what I'm doing, and I thought he'd be a terrific editor, and it was he was, and it's a lot for you know a junior to edit a senior and to be hard nosed, and I thought he he was, so I enjoyed working with with Saki. You felt like he both kind of saw you was able to sort of distill your work in a way, but also was able to sort of really, push yes, you as I an think, editor in a way. Or yeah, kind of... and simplified some ideas that uh, in rereading took me a little while to catch on to what I was doing. So I thought we had a nice dialogue. Well, that actually, I mean, that last thing, it sort of maybe leads well into sort of the next set of questions of kind of what, figuring out what it what it is or what it was you were doing. Um, and so I'd love to hear from both of you, maybe just, um, maybe just sort of broadly kind of what you were sort of hoping for from the book and kind of how you think it sort of enters into a broader conversation in the field. And we'll get sort of into the nitty gritty later, but maybe just broadly, um, you know, what were you hoping to contribute? Um, well, for me, it was sort of the, the history of my, my intellectual growth as uh, an analyst and a group analyst. And when I started writing, I, I don't think Beyond had the, um, the, the intense interest that he he has now and certainly applying some of his later ideas to group psychoanalysis was something new because the beyond link to group really was mostly from his you know his group book and he moved away from doing group work he came back to in the later one of his his last books of the metapsychological series, but um, to really try to translate um, Beyond's theory of thinking and apply it to an object relations approach, um, that's that really excited me. And I'd done a little work with Beyond and um, more with uh, Jim Grotstein. So, uh, you know, the whole project was part of my own growth as a thinker. And I, and I felt that um, Beyond had an object relations theory that had a lot more depth uh, in terms of metapsychology meta than what was happening in relational theory at that time. And I still feel that way, that it, um, you know, it encompasses a realm, a large realm of data. Um, on, on the other hand, Beyond has had a lot of... Um, of the classical attitudes as we know you know and he he was he was an autocratic therapist i wouldn't say he was a relational therapist i think he was a relational he kind of a precursor of a relational theory but certainly not his uh persona or his the way he worked in group and i think in you know what people write about in psychoanalysis and what they do are very different and, you know, having spent time with Jim, who was in analysis, and Jim's wife was in, in therapy with Beyond. So, you know, you, you got to see what what actually happened in the consultation room. And I think he was a lot more human than his persona. But anyway, that was the start. And, um, you know, the journey has continued for me. I've been very interested lately in some of the French ideas and subjectivity. The recent paper in the uh, quarterly on Laplanche and linked that to um, to relational theory and to group group work as well. That's very exciting. So, yeah. Yeah. When and we'll certainly you know we'll get a little more certainly a little more into the beyond a little bit later, but it it does. Um, you know, it feels worth noting what you just said, actually, about kind of the ways in which, um, you know, certain theoretical precepts, um, you know, 
don't always necessarily map on directly to kind of what's happening in the room. And I think something that I really appreciated about the book itself, actually, is it was very, or is very, you know, of course, it's quite theoretical, engages theoretically, but largely seems to sort of ground itself in the kind of mess of the clinic, you know, and sort of the, 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 the kind of gritty, messy, confusing um, realm of like the group itself. It's, you really bring it back to the clinical material. Um, yeah, I, I, I know. I, I'm, I'm frustrated novelist, so <laughs> <laughs> this is the best I can do. <laughs> yeah. Well, but it comes I a lot for me. Of... Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things that drew me to Rich's work is that I think he has a, a real talent for um, describing clinical work in ways that are, you can really sense what's happening in the room and you can really hear what the um, what he's thinking and um, feeling and um, and how he operates. Um, I think that's that's a real skill and I think that really um, is appealing. Um, I wrote about it in the introduction that I came to him after reading his previous books and I said that I feel um, uh, envious and he said you know why why envy why not just jealousy um, you know why can't you have it too so I thought that was you know both uh, it was a way to to um, show how he um, both really thinks Kleinian all the time um, and and also brings it into very much into a um, um, a personable uh, down-to-earth experience which is you know I think that's that's really um, a skill that a lot of us work a lot to um, to get to. Yeah, mm -hmm. certainly. Yeah, I mean, and that, I mean, sort of segues nicely to the next question I had in mind, which it is sort of the first section of the book um, deals in a lot of ways ex explicitly with kind of the role of the role of the, the group facilitator, the therapist, you know, kind of gets into questions of, self-disclosure, use of self um, in a way that just as you were sort of just speaking to Rich, I think really kind of both draws from both Bionian and relational precepts and ideas, but also kind of torques them um, in a very particular way. And, and just as you both were indicating, I think the book gives a sense both of you know, Richard, your ideas about sort of facilitation and group facilitation, and then also gives a real felt sense of your particular idiosyncratic stance or style. Um, so I wonder if we could just talk briefly about, um, you know, that first section of the book and how um, you think about, you know, broadly the role of the the group facilitator um you know it's a kind of a big question but maybe both of you could take a stab at it of you know how does this book book take up the 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 sort of the, the naughty questions of sort of what um what it is that the facilitator can or or should do well do you want do you want, do you want to say something saki or should i i'll just start with the you know, the title of the first section is it's all about me which I really think it's one of the better titles that Rich has had. Um, I've been critical of others. Um, <laughs> now th this one's hard to hard to be. Well, but it really speaks to this notion of how the as the group goes on, the patients or the group members are always have um, one eye on what the group um, leader is doing. And this can be in terms of what he's saying or she's saying, or even facial expressions, um, silence, all of it. Um, so that's, um, and then I think it, it expands to this idea that, um, um, well, it goes against the notion that as the group develops, the therapist needs to um, recede more and more into the background and the group does the work itself. 
and because it says the opposite is that um, the longer the group members are with the group leader, in a way he becomes more and more important. Um, just like in analysis, the the transference is more um, is deeper, and um, and even if people have been with the group for a very long time, there's still um, the importance of the leader continues. So that's at least one idea from that first section. Nicely said. Um, yeah, let's broaden it, this though to look at the work of not in group but of psychoanalysis. Um, I think it was Raku who said that transference is the patient's view of the analyst counter-transference, which is another way of saying the same thing, that um, the, in a sense, the, you know, the patient is always struggling. What, what do you think of me? That, that's really what Rack is talking about. Um, this, I mean, this ties into a whole different approach. I shouldn't say a whole different approach, but Laplanche's idea of the enigma, you know, and also it gets back to the idea, to, you know, to the desire to be desired. So there's, you know, it's a, there's a zeitgeist that these ideas relate to one another. But the, you know, who is the other? And what, you know, how can I be the object of the other's desire? I'm sort of translating Raka into Lacan, although I, I think they're, well, maybe Lacan read Raka, but I doubt vice versa. Um, so um, now the issue is what is your counter-transfer and how, and, you know, by definition, it's it's unconscious, right? But we do have derivatives and this gets us back to LH and K. You know, how, what do I feel? towards the, the analysand, or to the group, or to a group member. You know, what's going on in this session? And um, here again, I think the, you know, that basic question, you know, how am I linking to the, you know, the patient? That gives us some sense of, you know, well, what's going on with me? And um, now, of course, some of what's going on with us does relate to what's going on in the room, <laughs> you know, what's coming from the uh, analysis, but um, not always. Well, I shouldn't say not not singularly, because, you know, we're going through a stream of life as well. And that's not necessarily negative, because, um, you know, the dynamics of, of a relationship are, are always changing according to time and um the political world the you know mood the weather um so you know these are all dimensions that go into lh and k why am i interested you know the, my curiosity what does it go to this what this dimension and not that so you know you could spend a great deal of, of the session um kind of trying to figure out your, you know, what you're feeling, how how that's impacting the, you know, and I don't think it, I, I don't think one negates the other. I mean, it's all about me. It's also all, all about the other. And, um, and, you know, even the, the title, really, I think Saki came up with the title that through that interaction, you know, there's something that's, is a learning experience for both partners. And and some of it, I mean, a lot of it, I don't I don't think is conscious. I think that every session changes us in some way, just the way this podcast will or is. Um, and you know, we don't exactly know how, but I think if we're doing fairly good work, we are growing and we're maturing and we're better people from the process. Um, but again you know, we can't expect to write it down in a, you know, what I got from my summer vacation, you know, what I got from the, this hour. But I think over time, um, we probably develop some wisdom from being in thoughtful relationships with others. And I think that goes, to, um, you know, patients will say, well, I, I don't think I got anything from the hour or from the group or, you know, 
Say, well, you, you could be, I mean, no refunds, but you could be right or you may not know. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and again, I mean, it really does come through in the writing in a really beautiful way. I mean, I think particularly in the sort of case examples, the I feel like you give a really kind of experience near account of your own kind of negotiation of that um, coming into a particular kind of knowledge, um, which does, I mean, you kind of dropped a little bit um, the the reference to LHK just now, and I wonder if it, it it would benefit us to sort of press pause a little bit there and, you know, burrow into some of the the Bionian concepts. Um, you know, as you said, Beyond's kind of having a bit of a moment right now, but I do think that there are, um, you know, a lot of pieces, pieces of his work that that still haven't quite entered into sort of the broader discourse of of the field right now. So I wonder if we could just take a moment for folks to just clarify some terms maybe. So maybe start with that since you sort of dropped the seed of LHK. Um, I wonder if if perhaps one of you could sort of start with a broad definition um, of, of that cluster of concepts. Um, sure. Um, um, well, one, just a, a comment. Um, contextual comment about Bion and, and his moment. So certainly in the psychoanalytic world, he, I mean, he's been incorporated by, you know, um, Freudians and, and relationalists and everyone. But in the group world, um, not so much. In, in, and um, if you look at Yalom's book, which, you know, some people consider the, uh, the Bible of group therapy, um, in the, in the latest edition, I, I think maybe there's a paragraph in like a six, seven hundred page book, there's maybe a paragraph about Beyond. So he's really not uh, that central in the group world. So it's just in terms of context. Um, and then I think what um, um, the main focus, I think Rich has brought in terms of Beyond is, is um, the emphasis on emotional truth and the search um, for emotional truth and how much that's um, something we we crave. And I think once you start listening to that in any session, you see how much, that's also why people really, I think really um, get a lot out of group because they can, they feel like they're, they're getting an experience of emotional truth and, um, and powerful emotional ideas that um, that you don't have a, as much, or uh, that, that that are harder to come by. Um, now, L H and K. So, L is love, H is hate, and K is um, knowing or the desire to know. Um, and I think the main um, conflict for Beyond is the conflict about whether or not we want to know things, and especially whether or not we want to know about um, our painful experiences. Um, and so that's that's the central and uh, the central conflict. And if once you start um, thinking about it, you'll hear it in every session when people say things like, uh, I didn't want to think about it, or, um, um, or um, let's let's talk about something else. Or I don't know what to talk about. All of these can be. Um, I mean, I'm sure that's a common experience with people. If patients have come into the session and say, "I don't know what to talk about," and you can really understand that as um, um, in terms of how much they want to think and, and know about their internal experience. That gets us to. I'm going to come back to Alex and Kay, but Saki moved us to a another core concept of beyonds which is the ps to d exchange these are um there are a few uh symbols that i think you know are important i don't like a whole you know series of uh, equations and actually beyond tried that in his grid he tried to put everything in a mathematical table and he said it was a failure but um PS to D is gets us back to Klein, and I think Saki's right. I mean, I think the core, the core twentieth century um, 
psychoanalytic think thinkers. The core people, I would think, after Freud would be Klein. I, I think more and more people accept that. I mean, this Klein in Lacan, Lacan has roots in Klein, um, Laplanche, uh, and certainly Bion, and when and Winnicott as well. So the the idea that thinking hurts. Uh, and that was um, another phrase that I, I like. I think it's very, you know, it's it it condenses something very important. And what what Beyond said is that you know it's both depressing and persecutory. Actually, depression is persecutory, and um, when you're paranoid, it's very depressing. <laughs> so, so there's the equation. But getting back to the nature of thought. You know, one, it's painful because you're you're breaking an old set. You know, you have to give something up. So that's depressing. You know, we're saying goodbye to something. So it's really not truth. It's emotional truthing. You know, we're not looking for truth because once we have a truth, it becomes, it loses its vitality. Um, so, you know, we're in constant... Uh, it's a it's a journey. So um, we're giving up something constantly, and the idea of, of of needing to think, you know, that weighs on you, and that's the persecutory part. You know, why do I have to do this? Why, you know, and you know the temptation to go to go to a place. You know, who are my parents? You know, do I really want to look at that? You know, it's a constant mystery. Because there's a part of us that is always the infant or the child, you know, an early developmental stage. And even though we might be a lot older than certainly me, then, well, my, my mom is still alive, actually, but my dad died fairly young. So, I'm, you know, but he's still in some ways, the you know, the father figure. So, you know, you never quite know who, who the other is, you know, who are you married to? You know, you thought you knew, but then you have to think about this all the time. And it, it's a painful, you know, in some ways, because it's it's painful because you never rest securely. So that's the PSTD that is linked to LHK, which I, I want to get back to, um, because they relate to each other. We don't just love, because if we think, then we're... Who is this, you know, why do I love this way? What, you know, who do I love? What's that about? And it's, you know, that's the the beauty of, of the great poets. They bring a lot of ambivalence to their, um, their feelings. Now, hate, um, it's really, I think Winnicott talks about that in a down-to-earth way. You know, the it's really not hatred. It's, it's the, what do you do with aggression? What do you do with... Um, you know, in a sense, we have to bring age to our own ideas, or else we never develop. You know, we have, and that's one of the nice things about working with with uh, an editor like Saki. You know, you know, he will challenge, and I have to then deal with his aggression against something I, I, you know, I wrote, let's say, or the way I phrase something. So, um, LH and K are linkages to others, you know, and um in the Kleinian sense of the depressive position, we gotta integrate all these different emotions together. Now, in addition to LH and K, we have minus LH and K, which is important too. And this gets back to what Saki was talking about: the, you know, do I want to think? You know, there's thinking, there's anti-thinking. These are some of the the ideas that I brought to the to the first book and in some of the analytic papers as well that were in the quarterly and contemporary psychoanalysis. Um, so what would be minus L, for instance? What do you think a minus L would be? JJ, good you want to? <laughs> That's a good question. You know, again, it's. I think this is part of what's beautiful about both Klein and Beyond is that there's sort of maybe a overly simplistic desire to be like, oh, minus L is simply hate, right? When actually the two are sort of in dynamic interplay and it's actually precisely, you know, that's not it at all, you know? No, no, no. Yeah. Minus L is, it's more like eating junk food. You know, Minus so. L would be an empathy, um, 
over empathizing with the patient. It's a kind of like, oh, like I really, I sort of, I feel for your experience. I'm with you. Oh, I'm so, I'm so like in yeah. it with you. I, I feel for you. Um, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. What, what's um, the learning experience? Where's the pain? And it doesn't mean that there's never a place for um, an empathic, you know, joining. But I don't think it's truly empathic to you know, to, to love in that way. You know, it's like what they do now with kids. Good job. Good job. No matter what they do. Good job. You know, <laughs> kind of minus L. Um, what, and, minus, well, yeah. Well, I'll just minus, say briefly, I mean, it just seems like also you kind of demonstrated that. I mean, I think in talking about your sort of editorial relationship and the way that you really felt Saki like kind of push up against you. Yeah, I think that demonstrates like how that interplay between L and H, and that in actually to sort of in order to sort of actually encounter someone, you have to sort of experience yourself as different from them in some way. Yes, um, you know. Yeah, and that's painful. And, uh, yeah, and of course that's all integrated with the journey for K, but it's not a minus K, which is where you try to again capture the truth which would be, you know, kind of obsessional holding on to something. I mean, there's um, sloganeering. These are all minuses. We live in a, a big minus political What is world. the eighth quote about uh, anxiously reaching or reaching? Oh, yeah, remember? grasping after. Oh, yeah, what is it? Anxiously grasp. Or is that, I mean, is the that the, the, the Keats, the negative capability thing? Yeah grasping after but i will i want to add something a bit different um on the one hand you don't want to um be excessively reaching for for you know the truth and to get everything in and once you know right now on the other i think there can be in, in my mind in this field this tendency to say well we're just going to wait and you know it will appear at some point, and um, I I I think um, the uh, the um, the gist of this book, and at least the way I understand, Rich, is not that it's you know you don't want to anxiously reach, but you also don't want to just be passive, and so you are trying. Yeah, well, the the um, I developed an, uh, um, a concept called a nuclear idea. It's really a takeoff of Beyond's um, Salconolytic Object, but it's um, selected object. No, hmm? selected object or no psychoanalytic object. Then anything okay. Beyond said anything become a psych can be some can become a psychoanalytic object. Certainly, including your counter-transference. Um, anything can be um, a phrase, something that came up in a, in a session from an individual hour, from a group session, a dream, um, a twitch. You know, I noticed when when um, I've worked with you that at certain moments your eyes begin, and I'm not talking about either of you, but I've said this to patients, your eyes begin to, you know, you, you kind of twitch, you know. So let's see if we can look at this and understand what it's about and what the meaning is. So almost anything, you know, and is it some something coming up from the patient? Is it something that I'm doing that causes the twist? I mean, it take, can take us anywhere. Um, and this gets back to um, Saki's idea. I think he was saying that I tend to take a, a stance. Um, and this is another um, central idea, I think, throughout my work is um, I try to share what I'm thinking. I don't play a game of... Um, um, you know, what do you think I'm thinking or all that stuff? Um, and, you know, forthright and, and this is what I'm coming up with. And I think it, um, you know, Green said, Greenson wrote about it, this, uh, Ralph Greenson. I think it was, uh, the patient finally says to him, well, I'm not going to free associate right now. I'm going to tell you what I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean so there's a place for that where you know uh, it's it's sort of a 
bastardization of the analytic process. You know, it's not just free association. First of all, it's not, it's never free. And it's really never quite association, but that's for another day. But, um, you know, the, the idea here is, uh, you know, come on, what's going on? And um, and this is what I think is happening now, you know, agree, disagree, you know, never said I was a good analyst. I just said I'm an analyst, you know, come to your own conclusions. But this is what's on my mind. And I I think that's that leads to a certain kind of relationship that uh, I think it becomes more authentic. That, and that, it's from a different um, um, intellectual um, sphere, but it fit with my the, my um, philosophical upbringings, which were about um, speaking clearly. And you know whether I mean my mentor was Agassi, he was a student of Popper's, and but the idea was that if you speak clearly, you can be criticized, and if you speak if you're um, um, ambiguous. It's hard to pin you down. It's hard to say what you agree or disagree with. And so I like that in, in the clinical work too. If you can, uh, you know, it's actually harder to do than to be um, vague. It's harder to be more, more uh, precise and speak clearly about what you think. Harder and, as you said, riskier in a way. I mean, it's risky for both the patient and for the for the analyst, you know, um, you know, which it's, I think it's something which I get from this book. It's kind of, I mean, part of what you all are saying, it's like anything worth, worth doing is sort of, there's an element of risk to it. And that's actually part of where the growth happens. I mean, I, I keep finding my mind going back to, to this phrase that you brought in, Richard, the kind of the, the thinking hurts thing, which it's so powerful and really does get at something that, I think I really took away from the book that I I thought was important, this idea that, you know, I think it's so easy, you know, particularly these days to get caught into a kind of overly simplistic idea of sort of thinking about thinking as simply a kind of abstract, defensive intellectualization or something, um, you know, rather than a very particular kind of emotional work. Um which I think maybe brings us into what I was sort of hoping to, to talk about maybe in this last bit of our conversation, which again, you know, I feel like we've largely been talking about this the whole time, but maybe it would be worth just partitioning out some time again to sort of talk about what we do and how we do it um, in the session, you know. Um, you know, I think what what processes within the group and what leadership interventions help to facilitate this kind of knowledge production, this kind of pursuit of of K. You know, I think you just you brought in Richard the kind of the nuclear idea thing, which which seems quite important. Um, you know, I'm thinking about the concept of nodules that you bring in, um, bonding, all of these same like things feel like sort of themes that you bring in the book of sort of the the kind of the the texture and the kind of material specificity of what happens in the session. So I wonder if we could sort of end our conversation with a sort of a focus on that. Um, what are we doing? How do we do it? Yeah, all that I think is really important. And But I, I, I want to emphasize one other piece of this that I think relational theor theorists, particularly when you read about the European view of American relationality, they criticize it for um, being stuck in here and now relationships, that it's, you know, it's as if the unconscious doesn't exist. Um, certainly it's not, it's not my view at all, but I, I want to just mention something kind of simple, which is that I have a developmental perspective. I mean, actually I was my first, I was uh, trained in developmental psychology and um, Piaget and Erickson and um, many of the other developmentalists, so that I'm always thinking about levels of development. And um, I don't think of um, a group, I mean, there is a group theory that the group matures. I really think about 
the verbalizations, the the kinds of thinking that you know, what what do they represent in terms of what you know, what levels of unconscious thinking? You know, we're we talking about um, uh, you know, very early. We're talking about um, some of the, the the latency problems that people have. You know, how does sexuality relate to this? One of the marital problems that are being expressed in terms of, you know, the parents' histories. Um, so that, um, I mean, this takes us why, kind of far. You know, the the idea of um, the relationship to the therapist, to, to the analyst is, you know, who is he or she, you know, constantly? And what, you know, what are the core transferences that, that are you know from early development so i i'm constantly thinking about that in the in the hour in addition to all the the the, you know the material there's i guess that's just being an old-fashioned analyst you know thinking about development and and stages of development and early you know patterns of, of of symbiosis and Actually, Beyond talks about that, and we didn't really get to it today on the container contain, which is a much different concept than what people talk about, you know, containing the patient, containing the group. There are different types of containing. And, um, you know, so, and there's a kind of um, destroy, you know, attack of the container. So, I mean, this, again, it's too far, but this is what I think about in, in the hour. Like, what... You know, what's the level of our relationship, both in terms of the alliance, but also in terms of these early developmental patterns? And I think that um, we, the role that we play, it, you know, we, we take on symbolic features. We become the mother, the father. We also are a sib. You know, we're, we're the, um, not only the competitor, but they're the, we're the chum that, per, and, and they, these are the kinds of th- things I actually think about when, when you talk about facilitate, I don't really think about that as much, much. I just, um, I, I just sort of wait and see, you know, what's happening. And I, I can't say I'm big on planning or, or facilitating. Like I, you know, I do a fair number of demonstration groups and I just, I just see what captures my my interests and my imagination. And I assume it'll be interesting to the other person or to the group. So Yeah, I mean, I feel like you captured just there a little bit of the kind of the how to put it, I guess the kind of dialectical tension that I think like, you know, Saki was sort of speaking earlier to the ways in which that sometimes there can be in the field and in the work, maybe a little bit too much of a reliance on like, well, things will happen. Things things are going to happen. The group is gonna the group is gonna do its thing. I just have to be this kind of, um, you know, this parental figure that kind of stands at the side of the playground and lets the kids play. Maybe every now and again, get in there. And it seems like Richard, you're sort of speaking to the tension there of like, there's actually a difference between waiting for something to happen and responding and being present to that process and a kind of wait and see attitude of like, well, we'll just let them do what they're doing and trust that that's going to, it seems like you're oh, speaking to the tension because, there. Yeah. 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 Because it's, it's, um it's a faulty analogy to the playground because one of the main players in the playground is you. <laughs> so that, uh, you know, you, it's just, it's not true that you can ever just watch because people, you know, the patient or the group is watching you. Well, and as you said, your role changes also at different points. You're the kind Absolutely. of the, 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 the protective parent potentially at times yeah. you're the sibling at times you're sort of the one who sort of accidentally pushes someone off the slide and gives them a scrape. And, you know, you're like all of these things at different times. Um, yeah. Yeah. I do. I, I think they're. Um, I'm assuming in terms of the, the people who listen, there there are different levels of um, um, experience, and um, so I, I do want to 
bring some things that are in, in maybe um, more simple terms, because some of this could be very complicated. I think I know for myself, um, it's, it's very, uh, it could be daunting to think, I, all the things that Rich is talking about, um, you have to think and feel during the session, seems like, you know, let's go find another job. Um, but you mentioned, um, JJ, you mentioned um, bonding. And I think if if you, as a, at least in the beginning, if you could think of bonding and meaning making, there's the two main ideas that you're thinking of as a group leader. What's, how, how is my bonding with each member going? You know, um, and also what kind of, are we making, are we moving towards making meaning? You know, about the relationships, about each person's psychology. Um, so if you could think of those two ideas, bonding and meaning making, that's a good place to start. Yeah, if um, if you have a, thank you, Saki. I think that's really a good point. A good as we move towards the close. If we have a bond, we could say almost anything. We have a good bond. If we don't have a bond, we can't even say good morning. <laughs> what do you mean by that? <laughs> or, you know, it's it can be, you know, you can have a perfectly uh, civilized session and nothing takes place because there's no trust. And which is fine not to have trust. But once you start talking about it, there's the bond. Oh, that's such an important thing. Or as you were both just talking about the the bond, I mean, it is, I I felt it in the book that it feels like so much of a kind of baseline precept or kind of precondition for the work is that there is some kind of a bond. And I think for the particular kinds of interventions that you being, bring, Rich, which can be, which can be sort of discursively kind of complicated, can be ironized or ironic or playful or a little kind of nudging or a little, um, you really do need like some kind of a bond in order for that to even be integrated at all. Yeah. And part of the bond is, is, as Saki was saying, is to make meaning of the bond, not just to, you know, stay with the bond as, you know, feel good, respect each other. We like it. This again is sort of the difference between maybe a kind of, you know, a maybe you know, uh, oversimplified kind of relational theory of like, yeah. well, we just we just want to feel connected. We want to feel, right. um, or a little bit of that negative vowel, so to speak. The yeah. kind of like, well, I just want to feel a sense, a sort of kumbia sense of connection. Yeah. But it's actually, yeah. But also, it doesn't only go though from bonding allows meaning making. It's it also the other way around because once you especially if you let your ideas um, become known, you can really, that can make a big impact on a bond. Um, so so it goes both ways. It's not just you wait till you have a bond and then you can make meaning. Sometimes you take risks even in the first session to see, you know, you, you often in the first session, you want to see um, if the person is open to new ideas. Yeah, and to your ideas. To my ideas, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So I am mindful of the time. Um, we should sort of start to ease down. But generally, at the end of these things, I like to just sort of ask what people are up to these days, if there's sort of any projects in the works or anything that sort of you feel excited about right now um, that you'd like to share. Maybe we'll start with you, Saki, and then go well, to Richard. Rich, anyway, he has about an hour until the ski lifts open. So <laughs> that's what he's excited about. <laughs> Yeah. Today, my, my grandkids are just arrived, so I have to, uh, you know, convert them to expert skiers. So, got a week. Mm -hmm. oh, it's nice. going to be a very challenging week here. I mean, a lot, this is in Utah. There's a lot of snow coming. So, we'll start with groomers and we'll work our way up to heavy powder. But um, <laughs> what I'm working on, um, I'm, there's a, a well-known... Um, group theorist and analyst in, in Europe named, probably can't pronounce his name properly, Caius. And um, I'm writing um, a critical um, review comparing his work to mine. We have two, we both um, 
did do um, experiential learning groups and his approach to his and uh, compared to how I work, he really hasn't had um, a critical review in this country. Um, he's similar in some ways to, an, to a, a Pichon Riviere, South American, who also has not had much critical review. So, and they also have theories of linking that are somewhat like beyond and come from the Kleinian tradition of object relations. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm finding it very interesting. And I'm also doing some work with um, um, Laplanche, some of his ideas um, on interpellation, the idea of, um, you know, we're kind of imprinted with um, how, you know, our identities. Judith Butler's written a lot about that um, and how that applies to to who we are as therapists. So. Um, to say that I'm working on is big because as very young kids, it's hard to work on anything. But um, I, well, I'm interested in this um word from um, from Dostoevsky that was translated to English as laceration. And he really, um, in all of his characters, depicts um, kind of a psychic wound and how it um, continues to, um, um, how it impacts um, the development of the selfhood. And um, it's very related to ideas we've talked about, how much there's, on the one hand, um, an avoidance of wanting to really think about that wound. Um, and on the other, that if you, the more you get, the closer you get to it, it can reveal a lot about, you know, who we are as people. And um, and, and it really is, a, a can be a source of growth and, um, yeah. Yeah, this revelation. also gets, yeah, um, this gets back to the, you know, resurgence of trauma theory. You know, the, that, was neglected in so many years in terms of just unconscious fantasy, which, you know, where Freud ended up. But the original seduction theory that he he rejected for various reasons. Um, but the just that's what the enduring impact of the wound of trauma. And it's not as usually a singular event, but the, you know, the accumulation of the way we're raised. Um, sounds i mean so important fascinating stuff and we'll eagerly be awaiting both of your things of course and you know it's a little um you know no rush but i'll be eagerly anticipating um in any case it's really lovely to talk to you both today yeah. thanks for taking well, the time you. good luck on so the much. slopes today richard with your thank you. grandkids <laughs> hope things go well thank out you. there um and take good care okay thank you jj sorry thank you very much yeah.